This is Godliness with Contentment, episode 49. My name is Kino Hanna, and I'm here to have a conversation about how to win with money from the Bible's perspective. We are now on a journey through the Bible, and what we're looking at is wealthy men and women and their relationship with money, and for the most part, men and women of God. Last week, we took a look at um, Zacchaeus, and uh, that was back in Luke, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. Previous to that, the rich young ruler in uh, Mark 10, but he's also in Luke 18. Today, we take a look at a gentleman by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. So typically what I have been doing is reading the passages of scripture. Uh, today, what I'll do is not read the passages, but Joseph actually appears in all of the Gospels. We'll go, I'll let you know where the scriptures are found, and I will hit the key points uh, in the verses so we can kind of get an idea of what's happening. Um, But I always suggest you you go back and take a look at it yourself to see what the Bible says, okay? So don't listen to Kino, listen to God's Word. So here we go, episode 49. So the first place that we find uh, Joseph of Arimathea is in the book of Matthew. I'll go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And he's found in Matthew 27, 57 to 60. Each of these passages are going to talk about uh, the death and burial of Jesus. So Matthew 27, 57 to 60, some of the things it says about Joseph are following. He was from Arimathea. Why is that important? Well, just to distinguish him from all the other Josephs. He was rich. He was a disciple of Jesus. He had asked Pilate for Jesus's body. He took care and concern for Jesus's body. He placed it in a new tomb, one that no one had been laid in as yet. It had belonged to him, and it says that it was cut out of a rock. And he rolled a big stone in front of it once Jesus was in. Then we go to Mark 15 and uh, 42 to 46. It says that he was a member, a prominent member of the council. He had boldly gone to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He was waiting for the kingdom of God, kind of like Simeon and Anna back in Luke chapter 2. And he took the body of Jesus down from the cross. Luke 23, 50 to 53 tells us about him, that he was a good and upright man and that he had stood up for Jesus in the council and had not consented to the decision to crucify Jesus. And then in John 19, 38 to 42, it says that he was a disciple in secret for fear of the Jewish leaders that he had some help from Nicodemus. Nicodemus went to Jesus, uh, John chapter 3, and that together they wrapped Jesus' body with um, aloe and spices, and they did everything according to the Jewish burial customs. Isaiah 53 and 9 says that he was a part of fulfilling prophecy. Right there it says that the Messiah was assigned a grave with the rich in his death. And here, Joseph was a part of that prophecy. But 
Let me ask you, in fact, I'm probably going to answer it anyway. Where were the other disciples? Where were the other apostles? Well, we know Peter had denied Jesus those three times. At this point, Judas had already um, killed himself. And when we read Matthew 26 about the events leading up to the crucifixion, we realize that the disciples fled. Now, John 19 actually tells us that John, the author of John, that he was around the cross at the time with some of the women. So John was there, but the other guys weren't. And so really, Joseph, this Joseph of Arimathea, this guy we're talking about today, his role in the burial of Jesus was critical because John was there. I don't know, you know how close John was, etc. But Joseph went to, uh, to Pilate, requested the body, got the body for Jesus, took it down, took Jesus down from the cross, prepared everything with care and concern, put Jesus in the tomb, rolls the stone there got some help from Nicodemus. I don't know if perhaps John was also helping. But the things that Joseph did were vital in really getting Jesus to that place in the tomb. So there's a guy called Kaufman, James Burton Kaufman. He says, in times of distress and danger, God has frequently raised up a Joseph. There was Joseph in Egypt. There was Joseph, the husband of Mary, and now there's Joseph of Arimathea. John tells us that Joseph was a disciple, but in secret. Now, the reason that is given as to why he did this is because of fear of the Jewish leaders and his position on the council. But why did he... Why is he putting himself forward now after all of this time? I believe a couple of reasons. One, I think the cross impacted him. The cross had the power to change him as it has the power to change us even today. I believe as well he saw the wickedness of the council, that these men claim to be men of God, but here... They are putting Jesus to death. He saw that wickedness, and I believe both he and Nicodemus decided that they had it with with the council. They had it with the Sanhedrin. They moved on. And so his fear is now gone. He boldly goes to Pilate, like Mark tells us. But then also, I'm sure these guys knew at this point what he's now doing, getting the body and doing all this stuff. So any fear that he had of the council, that's gone now. And then, like I said, perhaps John was the closest of the uh, disciples there. And did John or the women have a place to put Jesus' body? Probably not, but Joseph did. And Joseph, Joseph sorry, did his part in uh, really preparing the body for burial and burying Jesus in the tomb. So I know the things I'm talking about today are kind of, um, I don't know, it's not really morbid, some of the death of Jesus, but obviously the death of Jesus was uh, critical to Christians for us today. 
And then the resurrection, obviously, right? So this was the same tomb that he resurrected from. Now, Joseph contributes to all that. He uses his own tomb for Jesus' burial. Now, I don't know if he believed that Jesus would be raised on the third day. I think he probably thought this was going to be permanent. So he was going to give up what he had for himself. He was going to give that up for Jesus. And let's get into it a little bit more. Let's get into the, the money side of things. So he was rich, and he used his wealth to serve Jesus right now when it was needed. He put himself forward. He put himself at risk. He was no longer going to be a follower in secret. He was in the right time and the right place, and he used his resources in the service of God. And God was the one who gave him the resources. We have resources, but God is the source, and he uses the resources the way he believes God wanted him to use them. So many of us have an issue with wealthy people or rich people, and even more so, or I guess more specifically, with rich Christians. Yet this man uses his wealth to serve Jesus when others did not or perhaps could not. He was blessed by God with wealth, and now he would use that wealth in this situation. And what a situation to use your wealth in, right? Our blessings are to be used, right? God blesses us to be a blessing. Our blessings are to be blessings. So, but how do you feel about the rich? There are rich people in God's kingdom, right? Rich, there is Christians, right? To put it in very, very bluntly. And just like you and I, they are mandated by God to be good stewards of what he has blessed them with, right? What he's put in their charge. Me and you, same story. We are to be good stewards of what God puts in our charge. Yet, I know the Bible says a lot about money. And in some cases, it warns about money. So let me tell you some of the things it says about money. It's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom, right? Jesus, Mark 10, that's what Jesus said. The deceitfulness of wealth can choke the word, making it unfruitful. In the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, Jesus. And yes, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? Paul in 1 Timothy 6. But money itself, or being rich, is not the problem. It's really what's in our heart, what's in our heads. But we have seen, as I've gone through these different episodes, and we will continue to see that there are men and women who are wealthy in the Bible, and they used their money for good. What we need to do is learn from them. What happens too many times is that we, as Christians, are afraid of money, or afraid of being rich or wealthy. And the truth is, I used to be there. I used to be afraid. I didn't want to be sucked in and, you know, talks about the deceitfulness of wealth and all this stuff. 
I didn't want that for me, right? So I would just do the bare minimum, you know, whatever I had. I wasn't trying to get any more. But about four or five years ago, I began to see what the scriptures have to say about money. And even as we go through this time now, we have seen men and women of God who were wealthy. But we also see how they use their wealth, right? These men and women, they weren't sucked in, right? Now, in Mark 10, we looked at the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus wanting uh, eternal life. He, on the other hand, decided to hold on to his wealth and not follow Jesus. But the scriptures tells us that he went away sad. So I'm not talking about him or being like that, but I'm talking about learning. And we can learn definitely from him, but we learn what not to do or how not to be. But there's so many other examples, right? Like uh, Zacchaeus or even like Levi, right? Matthew, he was a tax collector. And what did he do? Well, he followed Jesus, and then he held a banquet in Jesus' honor. He had a big party for Jesus. How did he do that? With money. Okay? And what did he do? He invited his tax collector buddies to come to this banquet that he held in Jesus' honor. Other people that we may not have talked about and haven't talked about who spent money or used money effectively for Jesus we look at the woman who anointed Jesus, he says, for his burial. She took this alabaster jar of perfume and used it on Jesus. We see here what Joseph of Arimathea is doing with his wealth, with his money, how he's serving. But then also think about the men and women. We'll think about the men, for example, right now, like Peter and James and John right, and Andrew. They left their fishing to follow Jesus. There were men and women who gave money and stuff to meet Jesus' needs, right, his physical needs, but also the needs of these apostles because they couldn't, they weren't fishing anymore. So the money had to come from somewhere. So money itself is not evil, right? It's the people and what we do with it that determines right? The issue with money. But we can use money for good. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. So for the 49th time, money is a tool to be used to bring glory to God. I hope you join me on my next episode where we took, take a look at uh, more uh, men and women in the Bible, how they spent money, how they followed Jesus, the decisions that they were called to, as it relates to their money, let us learn from Joseph, what he did with his money, how he stepped up, how he was no longer a, a disciple in secret. He put all that stuff aside and he was, he was in the open. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm his disciple. And this is how I'm going to spend my money the way I believe he wants me to. Join me. Tell your friends and family about it. Godliness with Contentment, you can find me uh, different podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, TuneIn, Google, and even on YouTube, look for Godliness with Contentment. This is Kino Hanna signing off saying, check you later.